Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to UCLA Live Well. My name is Dr. Wendy Slusser, and I'm the Associate Vice Provost for the Seminole Healthy Campus Initiative Center at UCLA and your host for this podcast. Today, I will be talking with the former NBA world champion and one of the premier NBA defenders of his era, Meta Sandiford Artez, previously known as Meta World Peace. Meta has been a leader in destigmatizing mental health in the world of professional sports and beyond by opening up and sharing his life story. Meta's openness to discuss mental health issues has helped to build a sense of community where people feel empowered to share their own struggles and successes around emotional well-being. We are also honored to have Meta as one of our esteemed panelists at our upcoming 2021 virtual celebration, Bruins Together, on May 26th from 5.30 to 6.30 Pacific time. RSVP now at healthy.ucla.edu backslash 2021 virtual celebration. And if you can't make it, you can tune in to our YouTube channel to watch it later. Keep listening for an engaging conversation with Meta about how we can create a culture that prioritizes taking care of your mental health and emotional well-being. Meta, thank you so much for coming. It's such a pleasure to have you. I mean, the last time I saw you was on campus at UCLA, and it feels like a lifetime ago. I've always been an admirer of your ability to advocate for mental health awareness. I mean, that was the first time I actually met you at UCLA. You were with a student group, and you were presenting and discussing mental health and how crucial it is to destigmatize mental health, in particular in your world of professional sports and also beyond. And I'd love to hear from you. How did you start thinking about that as an important part of your dialogue? Well, you know, I think it's important to discuss uh, mental health and just professional sports. And obviously people in different walks of life go through different things. But I just thought it was important because it's with professional sports. You often hear uh, people say, different terminologies such as a uh, hero, idol, uh, and it puts a professional athlete on a pedestal and it kind of dehumanizes the athlete a little bit, makes makes the athlete seem unreal. And sometimes the athlete tries to uphold that. And it's just not the case for everyone. And some athletes could withstand a lot of adversity and some can't. And at the end of the day, the athletes that can't are human. So they go through different things. It's publicized and it's it's a different world out there when you come from nothing and then you all, and then you are on TV every day. Everyone knows you, you're famous and you're trying to continue to build on that character or you're trying to figure out how you're going to take care of lots of people or it changes overnight, literally 19 years of your life or 20 years has been different. Right. So, so many different things can affect that when you're making professional sports from relationships to how you have a relationship with your family, to your partner, how you think about yourself? Who are you? Do you go back home? Uh, do you keep the same friends, right? So so many different things. Wow, you've covered so many pieces of this puzzle that I've always wondered about in terms of people who are, you know, coming from more modest means and then suddenly being catapulted up, right, to being sort of in a position where people you know, really look up to you, but at the same time, you're also who you are and who you were raised as. So how do you feel talking about emotional well-being up front in a position of an, as an athlete? How do you feel that that makes it better for everyone? Even when you look at you know, Kevin Love and 
uh, DeMarcus DeRozan, they came out recently saying they have experienced um, different things, you know, with mental health. It's such a positive thing when you address it. Um, and also not only for the athletes, but even for their fans. Right? People that's watching, they might be going through things. You, you affect the, the happiness, essentially, of millions of people that are watching you. And out of the millions that's watching you, you know, some people are going through different things and they can connect. It's just such a it's such a positive thing for people to support. You know, back in the days, they didn't really support anyone with mental health in sports, mental health issues in sports. Now, I wish we could the terminology mental health gets such a bad rap. So I always pause in between that because it gets such a bad rap because mental health. That doesn't mean a negative thing, right? Just it's just mental health, right? You can be mentally healthy or mentally unhealthy or having different issues. But you know, with that being said, it wasn't as acceptable years ago. You come out as an athlete and you say, I'm having problems. Look, they look at you as weak. But I see that as strong. I see that as you're actually strong. Because you have the courage to come out publicly and address your issues, and you have the courage to improve on yourself. Whereas before, I just didn't get it. People, when I came out and told people I needed help, I, it was it was true, and it was, I, I didn't I didn't see anything wrong with it. But it was amazing how many people would laugh at that or be surprised. Like, yeah, I want to think about psychiatrists. I actually see one. Yes, yes, well, psychologists, wasn't psychiatrists, psychologists, and and I, and, I, and I was dependent, and I stand up, and I and I, and I still see some some therapists to this day because we all we always going through a new challenge. It's always a new challenge. But what you're really describing is to be truthful and straightforward about who you are, and it can give strength to yourself and others as well. My psychology colleagues always describe to me how our moods are a continuum. And many of us move from, you know, feeling content and happy to being maybe a little bit sad or even a little bit depressed, but still functioning and doing okay. And so if you can address that in that stage, you might not ever ultimately become seriously depressed. So by talking about the need to talk about your feelings is a strong and powerful step to take. And especially for people like in your role where you are, like you said, many people look up to you, thousands and, and hundreds of thousands. And to have that strength, how do you feel about that role that you've taken on? Because you really have been a powerful voice in this movement of professional sports and emotional well-being and not even people that aren't professional sports, but your fans or just the run-of-the-mill kind of person like me. It wasn't a role I was expecting. It was just something I wanted to do and give back. I know so many people helped me over, over my career. So, and then I think when I did come out, it was a couple of things that put me kind of in the front. It was probably my career, my fans, people that seen me play for a long time, pretty good player. Then, then two of the stage that I was on at, when I was at the biggest stage was like being the most vulnerable. And I feel like people needed to hear that. And that was at a time way before any social uh, unrest or it was 10 years ago, but it was just like, even 10 years ago, people were still going through things. It was different, but people were still essentially going through different things collectively too. So I'm assuming people was like, wow, I need help. But 
probably not pursuing help? How many people are just not pursuing help? Because it's like, you know, I can handle it myself. I'll get through it. But imagine, even if it's small depression or small anxiety, small doses of depression, just imagine going through a small dose of depression or anxiety for a year straight by yourself. That's really difficult. What's really interesting nowadays, we have so many resources. We're essentially, we, are, we essentially have it easier because what did they do back in the cave days when they was depressed? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> a good <laughs> point. <laughs> well, speaking of the cave, a lot of people are likening the uh, pandemic as many of us have been in our cave. And some of us might have a hard time getting out of the cave as life goes back to what might be our new normal. During the pandemic, many people, I think, who might have been at this level, many people have dropped to another low or a little bit lower than they were before the pandemic, suffering not just from emotional well-being issues, but substance abuse, even suicide. Some people have been, especially among the youth. And so I'm wondering, what would you tell these people at this time, the ones that are suffering right now? What would be your wisdoms that you'd like to share with them? You know, it's just a, a time, time heals. You know, I think Pal Gasol actually tweeted something or posted something one time that was talking about the past is the history. I mean, past is in the past, what's history. You know, now is the present. And then the future, you really can't control the future. And today and now is the present. It's actually a present because it's here and now. He, he referred to it as a present, as a gift. Now, some people are going through some tough times, but if you can master the present, I think that's really, that's, that's amazing. And a lot of people have mastered being in the present moment. Even being in a tough situation in the past, could have been yesterday, or it could be 10 years ago, or a year ago, or it can be for the last 10 years. But being in the moment, like, okay, my, I'm gonna just enjoy myself today, I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna do what I have to do today, it should affect the outcome in the future. Whatever you can enjoy today, try to enjoy it, whether it's a meal with your significant other or your brother or sister, whether it's a book or whether it's going going outside. During the pandemic, a lot lot of people wasn't going outside. I would say uh, enjoy it, enjoy the moment. Definitely enjoy the moment as much as you can. It's really something that you can control and, and do for yourself and others. And being in the moment is something that you can control. You can't control the future or the past. That's really powerful. And what have you experienced or observed in that area of reflection and positive action? Sort of like what you were just saying with the being in the moment. It's really difficult at times, you know, but when I do stay in the moment, I have such a better day. You know, stress, and people don't realize that. Maybe some people do. I know doctors do because they do research on it, but stress causes all sorts of issues. Now, I'm not saying don't be stressed and if you're going through things, but it causes so many issues. And literally, you can't really affect what happened yesterday. You just can't. There's nothing you can do to affect what happened yesterday. Somebody told me that a long time ago, and I didn't get it. Um, and I'm a big shoulda, woulda, coulda person. I'm a big <laughs> Because um, it's things I worked so hard for as a child, being in the present moment, that helped me become the professional basketball player that I wanted to be. But then along that journey, there were certain things I wish I would have done differently. <laughs> but as a child, I wasn't thinking about what I would have done differently at six years old. Or when, or when I was 12, what I would have done differently at 10. I'm like, no, I know where I want to go. And today I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to play basketball all day today. 
without even, I know what I want in the future, but I'm not worried about what's going to happen in the future. I'm just, I got one goal is to make it pro and have fun today. And we forget about that. It's really hard to master that and to get that back. And that's one of the reasons why I'm back in therapy also, because I want to, you know, kind of recapture that moment, you know, when I was a child and just moving forward and having a good time. It's really powerful wisdoms that you just shared with us to be so focused like you were as a child and look where you, it got you. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty something. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Right. It's like really interesting. Yeah. The being in the moment and not regretting the past and not worried about the future, but really, you know, knowing what you want and, and just focusing. It's really powerful. You can't, you can't control either. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. You think you might control your future, but really you don't. That's right. That's so you know, true. You can do something today that can affect the outcome and you can really enjoy what you're doing today and, it's not that it's not easy, right? It's not easy, but um, you know, today, like, if you wanted to, you can make the the best apple pie today if you wanted to, or create the best poetry right now if you really wanted to. Today, take some time to yourself, right? Go to the beach, call call your parent today if you haven't, right? If you, and these are things that I'm just speaking about because I'm I'm still trying to get to a different level in my life, right? And it's things that I don't always do, but it's it's great thinking about. The present. You're working with your therapist in a way is showing how you continue to work in the present to meet your goals. Yeah. And it shows, I mean, there's no question that we use this phrase eudaimonia, living a life of meaning and purpose. It's identifying your strengths and working hard at them. And then you will be content, whatever you choose to do. And it's the opposite of hedonia, which, of course, is where people are just trying to get immediate gratification, which is not what you're saying. You're saying you're working hard to get somewhere that will bring more meaning and purpose to your life. At the point I'm at in my life now is more, I would say, I'm into like a lot of business. But as we know, so many people, as we guys, we get older, we get into business, but sometimes it becomes overwhelming. We get into so many projects and different things and we forget to enjoy like yourself, like your soul, not even just your, your, your spirit, your emotions like that. How are you treating yourself? And, and my therapist actually told me this. I UCLA therapist, actually. Um, right on. We have the best. <laughs> easy to use UCLA. <laughs> I was actually struggling with, um, you, know, you know, being in the present and then giving yourself positive feedback. That was really interesting. That was sad because it's like, if, if I'm such a shitter with a clear person and that means I'm beating myself up all the time because even my awards, I have a NBA Defensive Player of the Year. I have a championship ring, all-star parents, couple first-team all-defense NBAs. And I've been suspended. As people know, I've been suspended, suspended throughout my career. So a couple of those years, I missed out on awards that I was clearly going to receive. And then a year after the, I got in trouble, I, I, I left and, I, and right in the middle of receiving more awards. I don't know what was going on in my head. I'm beating, and, and then at that time, that's a whole other issue. But with that being said, now my career is over. Now I don't have the total amount of awards that I wanted, which is supposed to be tons of them. 
and I beat myself up. So I gave away some of my awards. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't look at these awards. Um, my my ring, championship ring, I raffled that one. A good cause, but it's not, it's not with me. Instead of enjoying it and cherishing it, like you, you, that, it's it's a great thing. You have a defensive player of the year award. You have you have an all star appearance, one, but you have one. Be grateful for that. Like like sometimes pat yourself on the back without worrying about what you don't have or what someone else has. You know, like treat yourself nice. Treat yourself nice the way you want to treat others. Some people go out their way to treat others nice. And when they get home, they don't treat themselves nice. I was like, wow, that's so interesting. And But now that's something, once again, that's a new, a new challenge that I have that's not going to happen overnight. When I was first going down this path with anger management, that didn't happen overnight. It took a long time to like, really hone in on that parenting class, marriage counseling. If you don't go to marriage counseling today, it can be better tomorrow, right? But it, it, I'm really interested in this journey of just um, patting myself on the back without having a big ego about it, you know, just like more encouragement. Well, what you're really focusing on, which is critical, is this whole sense of gratitude. And not only gratitude for others and what you might have, but also gratitude to yourself. Gratitude to yourself. And it's a point of view. And as you turn in and you recalibrate your point of view, you do have an opportunity to be more present because you're not right doing the should have, could have. It's really, I think, a great recommendation for all of us. I know that when I wake up in the morning, sometimes during this pandemic, you know, having lost my dad, I miss him greatly he died from the pandemic. Sometimes I'm always thinking, what do I have to do? And then I say, wait a second, hold back. What am I grateful for? And then suddenly my whole body just relaxes. I say, I'm grateful for this and I'm grateful for that. And I'm even grateful to breathe, you know, when you think about what's going on right now. You having practiced basketball all day long and as a child, now you're practicing something else. I have full confidence that we're your journey now is going to be so powerful in terms of your ability as, you know, a mindful athlete. That's going to be your all-star ring. You know, you're going to get a ring for mindful, being mindful of, and being present. And that's a, that's a big achievement, you know, if, if it could be, if it could be accomplished. It's like those type of things I wish. That's why I'm really happy. I, I really accepted third because if I didn't, who knows where I would be mentally. I, I could have been, have been going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. We're spiraling, you know, downwards and with depression because it piles, it piles on. It's just like, it just piles on. And, and and this is like data. I don't know how this works with the brain. I'm not a science major, but I'm assuming you collect data, you collect memories. Yeah. Um, and it stays there. And then it's something that you're, it's, it's already in your, it's already there. So, and it takes a long time to get rid of it. But, you know, that's why I think I, I really want to practice being in the present because eventually these, old thoughts can be um, in the way in the past, deep, you know, in your, in your brain, wherever it goes. So I don't know if it's like a cloud. I don't know if we have a cloud. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you know, you, you're talking a lot about memories and how, and there are a lot of, a lot of children who grow up having memories that aren't maybe as pleasant or they might not have ever had the chance to see a psychologist and now they're adults. How would you like to see a new world emerge where we can uplift emotional well-being to a point where 
it's part of, you know, the focus in schools. It's part of the focus in, in the community. It, what would you, what would be your dream kind of approach? You know, the economy, we, our parents have to work. Because if our parents don't work, they're not going to have no money. So then, I was, then the parents' children, have, they have to go to school because they don't go to school, they're not going to learn. So it's, a se- it's separation there. So we already are practicing separation between family at an early age because of the society that we chose to be, a capitalist society. You know, learn, build the economy, and, and do it at all costs, which is time with your family. And when you look at that, the percentage of time you're away from your family is the same percentage of the divorce rate. It's basically the same percentage. So with that being said, as people, we got to come together and see that. Parenting, partnerships, these type of things should be taught in school because the parent is going to teach their child, hey, be a good boy, be a good girl. You're going to have babies one day. You know, I'm going to be a granddad. I'm going to be a grandma. And these are, this is time that's missing. So if a parent has never been through a really good case study or had a good reference point on how to, how to deal with working, being away from the child, coming home and having dinner, then this child is not going to learn. So the school system is supposed to be the parent. The school system is supposed to be the parent, not just a teacher, you know, not just organization and not just discipline. It's supposed to be love, and we need to implement that in school. There should be pictures of families in school classrooms. There should be classes on, when you get older, young boy, this is how you treat a woman. Mm. When you get older, young, 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 young girl, this is how you treat a man, right? When you get older, young boy, this is how you parent a child. And, and why not embed it in their head now? Why not embed it in them now? Why not? We teach them so many things. And then in school, we teach them math and reading because when they get in the real world, we're going to need math, reading and science. And America wants to be, even be better at math and science. Why not be better at parenting and partnership? Why, why not be better at parenting and partnership? Mm. But a, a foundation, the foundation of family, the stronger the family, the stronger, you know, uh, the household, <laughs> the happier everyone will be. Families getting together with families, and I'm a prime example of a broken family, cycles, and and even when I had this concept in my head, I was going through it. I've been divorced once. And even when I was going through it, even when I was thinking like this, I already had so much baggage in my other relationship that I brought on where I was like, man, but this would be a cool concept, even though I'm not essentially practicing what I preach. I really wish they would do that. These, these kids could, could, could benefit from that. And you need people in these positions that think like that from a point of love and compassion. These are the things we need in our school. I've been, and this is something I always want to do, but I've been doing philanthropy for so long where I got burnt out because even when I was going through all my trials and tribulations while I was playing, I was still doing philanthropy <laughs> the whole time. I'm not surprised. It was really, it was like weird, right? I'm like reckless, but like, scholarships and pushing mental health, but still going through things that I was fighting inside of me, but still giving a lot. Um, um, it's something I've been talking about lately. I even changed the mission statement to my 501c3, which is parenting and partnerships. That's what I want to focus on versus mental health. And I'm still focused on mental health, but it's like, it's something I really believe in. I believe kids deserve the opportunity to, to have a family. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that, and they're going to be so happy with that. Well, I think you're thinking so holistically that parenting and partnerships really is the precursor to positive mental health, right? That's the, that's the point, right? That you, if you have a positive environment where you're being raised, it's going to really enhance everyone's emotional well-being, and including not only the children, but the parents and the grandparents and, and their children. Yeah. It's a, it's like a uh, domino effect, basically. It's really a powerful idea, I think, and something that some schools have taken to heart. And wouldn't that be wonderful if we could see this as a major theme as we emerge from the pandemic, which I think we have an opportunity right now to redefine so much, given the fact that almost every single child in this whole country hasn't gone to school in a year. So how can we redefine the sense of belonging and community and and ability to be empathetic and compassionate to each other within the school structure. I think that's what you're really advocating for. Really, really incredible. Sometimes I like to ask this to certain people, and I think you, I know you'll have a unique perspective. Um, What keeps you up at night? What worries you or what do you, what's on your mind? Doesn't have to be a worry. I think like for the most part, I mean, into my careers, for me, it's my what I'm going to do next. With the love of basketball, my kids are going to college, in college. You know, uh, so it's like, how do you balance making sure they're okay and pursuing college and working really hard? And then what are you going to do next? Business, what are you going to do next? And, you know, my goal was to, and still is to, you know, kind of build a company and then kind of take a break. I really like holistic stuff. I really like going out and I don't like working all the time. So, but it's like, how do you um, stay in the moment? I, I actually went to the hospital because I was working so hard, putting so much, I thought I was having a great time, but apparently I wasn't, you know, because every day I'm into it, making calls into it, but then you become stressed. It's like, oh, wow, I'm actually doing a little too much, you know, staying up to three in the morning, which is okay. You know, I'm just saying everybody's different. Everybody's built different. You know, so I had to actually create some balance. And then, I mean, I, I think for the most part, uh, you know, creating balance between work life and then your your own self, your self-life and family life, which is really, really challenging. Getting given that time to yourself, whatever mm-hmm. that, that may look. That's a great word, balance. I think that's something that we all strive for and and it's hard to create but it's a worth it's worth working on mm-hmm. yeah especially you you've got so many different interests and you're such a giver you know you have a lovely family so there's all these different people that you I even remember you you know wanting to be sure that your nanny had access to some to the gym you know you you think oh. of everything but you think of everybody, you know, to, you know, you paid for a membership for the gym for your nanny. So it's like, you know, it's really, that's a real strength of yours to be so family oriented yourself. I mean, and it was also great having a platform like UCLA to actually talk about these things. Cause often I was, I was on the forefront of a lot of different things from a mental health standpoint, but I never really had a good stage to really present it like consistently and, and, and give messaging to someone who can, who can make a difference, who's going to make a difference. And that was such a, like a gratifying feeling to be able to, you know, 
talk about things that I've been doing for years and being recognized for it and then just giving some advice and input is is the greatest thing. So many people want to do great things and they don't have access to, you know, to the best foundations or the, or the best people doing good things or they don't know how to approach it. And even though this wasn't like, I wasn't making money off a relationship like we, like we have, but it was super gratifying just knowing that you can tell your story and you can potentially tell it to a university who's going to actually try to put it in motion or, t- or, or give it back to their students. You know, it's, it's a powerful thing that you probably won't see, but something's happened, pop, something's happening positive. You know, some student is going on their, their journey and doing something positive, you know, and social working and different things. And a lot of universities are, I see a lot of students is trying to get into social working. I really love that. I really love that. Um, I think like even a lot of public service workers, I feel like more public service workers should be mandated to do social work um, classes or different things. And then, you know, and so hopefully social workers get paid fairly and because it's a tough job, but it's such a necessary job. So true. I want to thank you for saying that, Meta. I really feel that your generosity and sharing your wisdoms and and life experiences and your knowledge of so many different aspects of our society has really enhanced our ability. And I've written down a bunch of ideas from just this podcast. So just to wrap up then, what good do you think will come out of this pandemic? Well, the pandemic, I uh, I don't think anything can come out good only because so many people passed away. So I think that what we, I think um, the healing process is going to be something that's positive because, you know, we, we hear so many people talk about, wow, um, we've been, we, we, we did so well during COVID, but so many people died during COVID. You know, nobody did well. Nobody did well, even though the stock's up and all that stuff, but nobody did well. We, uh, we lost a million people. So, you know, that being said, the healing process, the families that lost people, the families that lost people, so many families. I lost, I lost my auntie to COVID uh, and a former alumni. So with that being said, remembering, it's hard to remember. It was so many people dying. It became normal. Right. You know, it, it became normal. That's the, and so, you know, it's recognizing, remembering, I would say, remember, you know, try to remember, pray for their families. This, this is a weird time. And from, from personal standpoint, people lost businesses. So hopefully pray for the businesses and some people don't have their different faiths. So, you know wish well on the businesses. It was just an amazing time. Amazing from just a shocking time. So, so I'm, I'm really coming out of this. Just hoping everybody's like, you know, I'm hoping everybody has a way to cope and has a way to get, get through this. And, you know, I, I see, you know, the cities and governments and the federal trying to do their thing, trying to get people back on their feet. So that's good and positive. I hope more free uh, social worker services and therapy services are out there. Because once again, people can't afford it. So we can we can find 1.29 trillion. Let's find some for some therapy. So true. Find so some, true. You know, I'm really looking forward to the panel. Thanks for having me. This is such a great platform uh, to be able to, you know, just like talk about different things that you want to see done in the world. And it just is just a really honor like it's always been. So thank you. Thank you, Meta. It's an honor to have you and have your brilliance uh, give us some guidance on future work that we can hopefully support as we move forward.
Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed this conversation with Meta Sandiford Artez. We hope you can join us for our 2021 virtual celebration, Bruins Together, on May 26th from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. During the celebration, Meta joins us for an engaging and thought-provoking panel discussing health equity. RSVP now at healthy.ucla.edu backslash 2021 virtual celebration. Thank you again for joining us. For more information about today's episode, visit our website at healthy.ucla.edu backslash livewellpodcasts. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Semel Healthy Campus Initiative Center at UCLA. To stay up to date with our episodes, subscribe to UCLA Live Well on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating to tell us how we're doing And if you think you know the perfect person for us to interview next, please tweet your idea to us at HealthyUCLA. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we hope you join us for our next episode as we explore new perspectives on health and well-being.